the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 135, recorded Saturday, March 22nd, 2014. Make it sexy. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Happy Saturday to you. Uh, with us this week is Mr. Sean Robinson. Sean is the Vice President of Product Manage- Management at AMX. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic. Uh, also with us is Bill Brown. Bill is the CEO of BD Brown Communications. How are you, brother? I am doing great, sir. Good. How are you? Excellent, excellent, excellent. Bill, uh, for those of you watching, has the terrible towel behind him, um, <laughs> which, you know what? That's a, that's a Steeler thing, by the way. Yep. Um, and the Steelers, I'm still uh, smarting from the Steelers not being able to finish off the Green Bay Packers a few years ago. So, just saying. Oh, I'm, an, I'm an angry, I'm an angry uh, Bears fan, so, you know. Uh, I, I was a, a big Steelers fan there for one Super Bowl, so... Uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, a number of people have contests coming out because Infocom is coming out and they kind of do all that. We're going to tell you about one that you can you can sign up for as integrators, not just uh, um, manufacturers. And we'll we'll encourage you to vote for uh, for AMX and a couple of, of the handful ones that the the magazines have coming out. Um, there have been an acquisition this week, and we'll talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about industrial design and how to make things pretty as uh, since we have uh, Sean on and, and Sean uh, AMX I said this before I'll say it again they make the sexiest touch panel uh, in the history of control so thank you sir absolutely <laughs> but uh, but first we're gonna talk about our friends over at Infocom they announced this week that they are starting to go on the road not that they haven't been before let me clarify that they're doing shows on the road actual Infocom regional table uh, regional trade shows uh which is kind of interesting um they've got the one coming up in uh in philly in october uh they also have another one coming up in san jose early in 2015 in march actually in 2015 uh if they go well one would assume that hey you know they might start doing them in other places maybe uh you know you've got one in philly you've got one in sandy uh san uh san jose Maybe start somewhere in the middle of America, maybe Dallas for uh, for folks like, like Sean, maybe Chicago. I wouldn't expect them to come to St. Louis because that would just be entirely too easy for me. Uh, but, uh, and you know what, let's be honest, St. Louis is like market 25 or 30 now. But Chicago would make sense. Uh, so, Sean, we're going to kick it off with you. First of all, uh, a blatant straight-up question, is AMX going to be involved in this? Uh, and then, you know, is this a good idea or a bad idea? Yes, uh, we will be involved in it, and we think it's a fantastic idea. Um, you know, with Gov- with GovCom kind of going away, um, I think it's very important that uh, Infocom uh, do this to kind of reach out to those end users and integrators that can't make the trip to uh, to Vegas this year. Um, we've been doing this for about 10 years, having technology showcases in the July-August timeframes in Philadelphia and Boston to reach out to those that can't make it to the show. 
Um, and Infocom has a tremendous focus here on the end customer, which I think is very, very important for generating market awareness uh, of our solutions, of our manu of our integrator solutions. So yeah, anything they can do to get out there and get closer to the customer, again, with, with a lot of companies, and especially the government, that is uh, shut down on travel budgets, I think it makes a lot of sense. And uh, you will see AMX at that, uh, at that one in October. Let's talk about that for a second because you you've mentioned the 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 end customer and we can we can split hairs here to to to, uh, to decide sure. who the end customer is because my my previous life as a technology manager a, a lot of manufacturers would would have considered you know a technology manager the end customer mm -hmm. uh, you talk to some integrators and they're like no those those are the middlemen uh, and women the end customer really is the person touching the technology touching and using it on a daily basis so who right. who do you guys as AMX who do you think is the end customer? So the way we define the end customer is the actual the uh, the purchase the person who makes the purchasing decision, okay. which is typically going to be uh, the AV technology manager, and of course we're seeing more and more the IT director or IT manager. That that's what we refer to as the end customer. The end user uh, actually falls into two places: the end user and an education, uh, for example, education vertical would be that instructor, right? The person actually using the room, using okay. the technology. But there's another user uh, also, and it is that AV technology manager or that IT manager in supporting the equipment, right? There's a user experience there too. So there's actually two users that we look at inside of the end customer's facility, the person using the technology and the person who's managing and supporting the technology. Okay, and that make, that's, a good, that's a good definition there because that's been one, uh, one interesting conversation that, that I've personally had um, mm -hmm. with manufacturers over the last few years is, is that, that interesting little d uh, definition and honestly varies from company to company it really does right right all right mr brown you get to get to weigh in on this uh good idea or bad idea to do these these regional trade shows well well tim i don't know if you remember uh last year at infocom i an announced the opening of the uh, technology center mm -hmm. um and the main reason for the technology center is to give um you know the infocoms or the manufacturers access to the end user or the in um, the customer um, more on a regional basis, and so I think this is a great idea. I think the the one thing that um, they should look at is being in maybe the the second tier um, type of a city or environment that um, that is growing, um, mainly because you know when they would travel around before with the um, the roundtables and. Um, the other the power and AV, they were mainly in, in bigger cities and people would have to go a couple hours um, or, or so to, to get there. And I, and I think you're missing um, what's going on in you know some markets like the RTP area or the Piedmont Triad area where I am in North Carolina yeah. you know or you know in some cases a Richmond area or you know or some parts of outside of Atlanta. Um, where you can get into um, Tennessee and um, South Carolina. So um, I, I think if they really want to get in touch with um, the multiple level of end users, as Sean mentioned, um, this is a great way to do it. And it doesn't take away from, you know, the Super Bowl of mm -hmm. technology, which um, the big show at the, at the end of the year. Yeah. Okay. So from, from your perspective, how far away – do you think, uh, or how, how? What's the 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 distance limitation? I guess for someone driving or coming in uh, relatively relatively quickly, are we looking at, 
you know, no more than an hour's drive? Are we looking at two hours drive? Is, is three hours drive fine? I think no more than an hour and a half. Um, I mean, in your past life as a, 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 I guess, a technology director, mm -hmm. um, if you could leave in a half day, if they would let you off campus or something, and attend a show for a half day or something, and then um, stay, you know, maybe stay overnight and then do the other half day and go back to, you know, to all the fires that you left, you know, type of environment. I think that is something where you would get um, buy-in from not just the, the director, but maybe some people on their staff or maybe an administrator uh, type of environment. So I, I, I think those are the, the um, about an hour and a half would um, kind of justify being out of the office for that period of time. And I think you've hit on something there with, with the staff issue. You've got a number of people around the country who – uh, cannot get away either in, in June because that's a busy time. It's a, it's a run up to, to summer installs or there's simply no budget or the person is so far down the line, you know, their director or their director's director is going to Infocom, but they could benefit just as much by going to some of the training and, and meeting with the manufacturers and stuff like that and building those relations or building on the relationships they already have. They probably haven't been to, to Infocom in three or four or five years once, once the downturn hit. Um, and having something regionally like this will help those folks out. Uh, it'll help them in their personal development and their professional development as well. So. Right, and I think the, the last thing before we, we move on with yeah. that, I think in some cases we know um, competitors, in, um, but we don't know our peers. Yeah. And I think more on the regional side of it, if, if um, it's create, you know, sometimes I would go to Infocom and see people that are right down the street from me, and I, that's the only time I would see them. Yeah. Um, and so the more that you create that environment where you can create a community or look for some collaboration opportunities with some people right around the corner, I think that could help too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, from our friend Julie Jacobson at CE Pro, let's talk about industrial design. She's, uh, <laughs> oh, I love Julie. Uh, she, so here's the question, her, her general question, has Nest taught us nothing? It seems most consumers buy Nest thermostats because they look cool. They're not, not because they're smart or anything else. So why then do we keep making ugly CE products? Julie is the editor at large of CE Pro. Um, but I'm going to take that a step further and, and, and kick it to, to the pro arena. Uh, Bill, why do we keep making ugly professional AV products? Well, let's see. Um, let's be politically correct Oh, here don't be politically correct. men are making it. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, you know, men are making it. You know, I, I tried to do a presentation that said, you know, uh, we want to make, uh, we want to de design technology that's, you know, strong enough for a man but made for a woman, you know, <laughs> you know type of thing. Um, and we don't Because that not, that's we, not sexist at all, Bill. <laughs> um, but, um, well, because this is my last time on the show, I guess. I guess right? <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, I think really some of those um, aesthetics that, you know, you know, us geeks really don't care about mine. We like all the, the guts, in, you know, mm -hmm. to yeah. it. Um, and outside of the sexy AMX, you, you know, we, you know, we just accept everything else. 
Okay, that's that's that's, it. and you know what? That's a good transition uh, because I, I, I was talking with Sean off the air. I've said this before. I will say it again. The Madero is the sexiest, 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 sexiest touch panel in the in in the industry. It really is. Um, and, and then you get into some of the other equipment. Now, okay, so you've got the Innova, right, which is an all-in-one box. Right. I don't expect that to be sexy, right? I, I, I don't expect that to be, you know, um, oh, my goodness. But the user interface, I guess, is where we're going here, Sean. Exactly. Why can't, or, or why, I guess, same question, why do some manufacturers uh, keep ma- making things that aren't exactly aesthetically pleasing to the eye? That's a fantastic question, Tim, and really, it, it really comes down to the commitment and what you're passionate about when you're creating a product. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, Julie um, Julie wrote this article after she got back from ISE, right, when she was yeah. over there looking at European design, which is typically very modern, and the Europeans take that very seriously. You see a lot of German companies and things like that over there have some beautiful design. It's something that it, it's hard to do. Um, it takes extra effort, and you have to make that decision. Does the customer really value it? A lot of people in the AV technology industry um, don't believe people value it because a lot of people get jazzed about 4K, 8K, you know, whatever the next right. K is. Um, at AMX, we think differently about that. We still get jazzed about the, the 4Ks and all that kind of stuff, but um, we have a very deep passion for industrial design, and this comes all the way down from our CEO. This goes back into the commitment piece. Um, our CEO, Rashid Scaff, is uh, extremely, extremely passionate about it, and especially anything that the user can see or touch, meaning that anything that sits out on the table, mean if it's the touch panel, that is the reason we got into um, the connectivity solution, the Hydroport. It, there's plenty of great solutions on the market. They're all just horribly ugly, and we said <laughs> we can apply our core competency here it's this this connect these connectivity solutions are sitting right next to this work of art that we put so much effort blood sweat and tears into creating from an industrial design perspective and that's what drove us into the connectivity business um, and, and our CEO is just believes deeply that whatever we deliver to our customer should not only work well and be extremely reliable but also be very elegant and lift the aesthetics of the room and also too when you think about Rashid Escaf our CEO is a European guy, right? His his father's Lebanese, his mother's Swedish. Uh, he's been in you know the the states for over 20 years, but uh, he brought a lot of that with him. It was in his uh, just his DNA, and I can tell you, um, it's the reason not everybody does it. It is hard. It is really hard. <laughs> if you're behind the scenes when we're making these things, I, I can tell you stories. But I mean, there are phone models that go in and out of his office, and there are meetings that go on for hours and hours and hours. There are tons and tons of different revisions. There's so much friction between the electrical engineer and the industrial designer because the electrical engineer says, hey, I can only fit the electronics into this, and the industrial designer says, no, I've got to have this, and it just goes back and forth. And so it just takes a tremendous amount of commitment. But if you have it being driven all the way down from your CEO, it's going to happen. And when you and when you deliver it, it's a fantastic thing. And again, we're not making consumer products that are going to be gone here in a year. This type of technology is installed in classrooms and conference rooms. It's going to be for seven years. And so when you're when you're doing that industrial design, it doesn't ju- it can't just look great today. It's got to look great for seven years to come. And so and, and we're going to live with it for that long too. That's the life cycles of the products we're shipping. And we want to be proud of it. And we want our customers to really really be proud to have these things and show these things off when they're bringing people into their spaces. Okay, let me ask you this really quick because you, you, you hit on something. How then do you design for seven years? Because mm-hmm. 
every fall, and I'm not a fashionista, but I understand that there's right. there there are, there are fashion shows at least once a year where totally right. different fashions come out and and what have you. And, and every year there's going to be a new iPhone, and every mm-hmm. year or so there's going to be a new Android phone. How do you guys? I mean, what's the thought process when you when you design for seven years out? It's very simple. We actually have this crystal ball that we have under <laughs> our desk. We pull it out, and we. <laughs> That's what our sales, Can you what share our that, please? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's actually our industrial designers follow a lot of the trends. So you're not just looking at what's hot today, but you're looking at how things are trending, right? Okay. And the other key thing is you focus on simplicity. Um, we, we weren't always good at this. Uh, I don't know if, if you guys remember back in the day, late 90s, we had a product called the Viewpoint, which is one of the first wireless uh, panels. We had these things called Wow Colors, um, where we created like a neon version, a neon yellow version, a neon green version, that was a fad. That only lasted a year, right? This is pre-Rashid. Um, but so now when we go in, like the Maduro X is an excellent example, simplicity. And to make something simple is extremely hard. The more simple you make it, the more hard it is because you have to use a tremendous amount of restraint um, in the design and just make something look extremely simplistic and yet modern at the same time. Um, and again, we, we don't know exactly what the future is going to be, but if we focus on modern uh, design, and again, we watch we watch all the same movies everybody else does. We watch Minority Report. We watch Iron Man 2. Yeah. We go, that's cool looking. That's what the future should look like. We combine that with the, the trends that our industrial designers are following in the design world, and that's how we mesh those things together to create those uh, those beautiful looks. Yeah, that's, that, that's a perfectly good answer. I, li- I like that. Yep. I like the crystal ball better, but you know, uh, <laughs> I, w- I really wish we had one. I really you, do. You and me both. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's let's move on uh, to some actual geeky stuff. Uh, not not geeky. Not that design's not geeky, but uh, Control Four has a, a new eight x eight HDMI matrix switcher, which is HD base T certified. Yay, good for Control Four. Um, <laughs> uh, this is from our friends over at Commercial Integrator. Not that that's not cool, and I, I kind of tongue in cheek. Um, but I, I wanted to start the conversation, use this to start a conversation about certification and membership in general. And uh, Sean, we're going to kick it off with you because you guys are members of the, of the HD Base T Alliance. How important is it for your products to be certified? I mean, is it is it one of these things where it's a, it's a feather in your cap and it's something you can take to uh, the purchasing the, the the decision makers, or is it critical to to make sure that your your systems are are certified so they they work with other HD base T uh, devices. Sure, um, it it depends on the on the corporate strategy um, for each company, right? So um, HD base T is a fantastic technology, as you know, Tim. We utilize that in our DX Link uh, transport solution. Um, we there's there's some companies that that depend on on other companies for the rest of the ecosystem. For instance, they might make like Control Four makes the eight by eight, and uh, they also have a receiver. But they're going to be, you know, relying on other type of transmitters to come in, and it makes a lot of sense for Control Four to go through to the entire certification piece. We, although we're we're members of the HD Base T Alliance, we're not. Uh, we don't have any products currently certified because we have the complete ecosystem of products that we're delivering from the transmitter to the through the matrix switcher all the way through the receiver. Um, and there's a lot of value add that we're doing in the receiver, such as you know scaling and uh, and things like that. So, uh, currently today. Um, we are not, you know, focusing on. And again, this is a, a manufacturer standard. Um, often, when there is, a, we really fall. There, as Tim, you made this comment several times. The great thing about standards is there's so many to choose from. So many of them. So um, we really pref- 
personally, we really prefer industry standards. And okay. when it has those four letters in front of it, like I and those three E's, oh, yeah. those are our favorite kind. And we go through and, and become certified in those kind of areas, uh, especially for wireless technologies. On a manufacturer standard, things are still kind of in flux. People are implementing it in different ways. And um, and so right now, when we're delivering our, our digital media solution, we do it as an ecosystem. Not to say that we're never going to go down that path. Uh, we have a great relationship with Valens. It's fantastic technology, um, and we're going to look at it for some other, uh, uh, you know, some other solutions. But um, so yeah, I think it's it's a decision that every company makes based on the strategy, their go-to-market strategy. Okay, you, you mentioned something, and, and you can tell me to to butt out of this if you don't want to answer the sure question. No. Do you think? It, it, and I don't want to make this between HD base T and, and AVB. I've made that mistake before, but. Whether that's AVB, HD base T, or, or wireless video, do you think there's any of them that are currently kind of trying to make their way in the world here uh, that will get IEEE uh, certification and to where it would make sense? I think AVB is probably going to be the closest there because they're already, and which is really kind of a collection of several IEEE standards, yep. um, because they're so tied into the network and the uh, and network technology and switching technology. And when I say switching, I mean network switching. Yep. That's where all those IEEE standards are. So I think that one will go that way, and it already is. Um, so whereas HD base T, um, it, it, it's not a packetized solution, as you know. It's more of a. It's more. You know, they're using the category cable, but it's not over IP packets. Yeah. So um, it'd be interesting to see. But with that being said, Valens is doing a great job getting out there with the consumer uh, devices, Panasonic and other companies, and you know, cre and and moving forward with their with their manufacturer standard. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, Bill. Uh, good for for Control Four, but how how important is it for for these folks to get certified? Is it is it important for uh, people who, who are the decision makers to say, hey, yay, great, this is certified. Or like Sean said, you've got people like AMX who have end-to-end -end solutions. They don't necessarily have to have to worry about the, the certification. Well, I think there are there are, I think there's a couple of, of things happening here. We talked about the end user um, earlier um, in in the broadcast, and and I think the the easier that it or it helps them to understand what equipment that is being in, how it's going to be used, how it can deliver on the solutions that they they need is better. So that's where the the certification helps, not just for the tech director or the the um, the person that is managing this, um, but their bosses that are you know purchasing all this to understand exactly what's going on. Um, and I and I think as an industry we need to not be afraid of of having a, a level playing field um, and then find things um, unique about ourselves um, each other that are different and that that are important to the customer the end user type of thing so the more that we go with standards go with certifications and really have a level of professionalism so we're technology professionals um, then there's that credibility and we're doing things that um, create more solutions than problems. Mm, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, all right. From our friends over at the AV Network, the K through 12 market. And I, I'm smiling because the, 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 these are my people, the technology managers. I come from education. Uh, but Carrie Mitchell wrote an interesting piece this week about this very, this very vertical. Uh, one quote from it says, a necessary component of success in this vertical is an understanding of the state of the market 
and how education technology is funded. Okay, <clears throat> I'm going to slightly get on a little soapbox here. <laughs> most education, most uh, when you get an RFP and it's from an education, you're you're most likely dealing with uh, the budget, right? The general, it, 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 the place I used to work, uh, we called it um, priority budget, right? Where everybody and their brother would, would throw in their, their lot and say, this is what I want this year, this is what I need. And they would dole it out. And then if you got a grant, which is one of the, one of the funding possibilities that, that Karen mentions, that was a totally separate thing, right? If, if you got a, a chunk of money for 20 or 30 or $40,000 to do something specific, then you're going to deal with somebody that, that you have a relationship with. But if you're trying to replace every projector in a, in a 200 classroom uh, campus, you're going to have to do an RFP because most state colleges, uh, private's a little bit different, but most state colleges have a limit to what they can, what they can purchase without putting it out to bid and, and you know, different levels for, for each state. I think in the state of Illinois, it's 25,000, uh, at least it used to be. Uh, so th there are definitely value. There's definitely value for, for integrators to develop relationships with folks in education. However, <laughs> there are so however, don't expect that relationship to, to get you every single job, right? Because there are going to come times when the bottom line is simply the bottom line. And there are, you're going to go up against somebody who either A, has a better relationship with a manufacturer, no offense, um, or they have a better pricing strategy with with a, with a manufacturer. Epson is a perfect example of this. They have a, a program for education called Brighter Futures. There is only one Brighter Futures dealer allowed in each market. Think about that for a second. Right? In the city of St. Louis, there is one Brighter Futures dealer. There might be a dozen AV dealers, integrators in St. Louis, they may all sell brighter, they may all sell Epsons, but there's only one integrator in St. Louis who can sell them at this considerably lower price. Personal opinion, I think that puts the, the rest of the people in St. Louis at a disadvantage. Um, or Chicago, or LA, or New York, or wherever. Um, I think it's a bad policy on Epson, but that again, that's my own personal issue. Um, so Bill, we're, we'll kick it off with you here. How... How do you develop that relationship? How do you develop this market knowing that sometimes you might get burned, knowing that sometimes you may not get every every deal, but you still go out there on a daily basis or a weekly basis trying to build these relationships with these these folks in education? I think the Yeah, I th I think the biggest the biggest challenge cuz I was um in um um, a higher ed environment and and learned uh, a lot of you know of, of working with how they worked with vendors and uh, and everything is that you know I, th I think they don't understand vendors or integrators don't understand when that semester starts it's like on mm -hmm. <laughs> until graduation um, and there is really not that time to develop that relationship and to, to really understand you know the pains or what's you know where are some other needs especially sometimes when as you said if a grant comes in or you know there's some you know there's initiative comes out and you know money just appears from nowhere and you have to you know make something happen and so what I saw was a lot of integrators would you know last year they got you know the 
the big deal of the year from from this university. So they're like, we're in, you know, you know, all eggs in the basket, and now this is our you know, our place. And then the next year, you don't even get a call. Um, and it was very frustrating to try to help them understand that, you know, as long as you're available, as long as you are helping, um, and not just trying to um, make as much money as you can, um, you'll you'll be in somebody's um, list that hey, if if something comes up, I'll go back to that. But if you just have this expectation that you are always going to be the one, the preferred, the uh, you know, just place in orders. That's just not the environment that um, most of the higher eds that I've seen. Okay, uh, Sean, from from a manufacturer standpoint, you guys have a little bit different uh, angle, I guess, to, or relationship with these guys uh, in education, these guys and gals in education, because you have education, you know, market development people who mm-hmm. go out and try to, you know, develop relationships with these people. So when they do spec products, they spec AMX products uh, for, for you guys. How do you do that? I mean, how, how do you, how, how, what is the outreach like? Um, and is it, is it cyclical? So it, is it like, like Bill said, once the semester starts, it's, it's game on and mm-hmm. you're running a, 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 a honestly, a, a marathon until, until graduation. How does that how does that cycle work for you guys? Yeah, so um, and and it's interesting because uh, up until about four years ago, we only really went after the higher ed uh, market, but now we're doing both uh, K through twelve through our School View solution, and then uh, and a higher ed like we've always done. Um, and it, and it's it's as far as the end user part of it, what, what end customer. We have a team, uh, a higher education team that uh, is regionalized, and they go out as you know, Tim. Um, and speak to uh, our university customers directly. Um, and then on the K-12 side, it's another team that goes out and talks to the school districts and very different buying processes, right? Different contracts, different, uh, different bid processes. Um, and, you know, like for instance, on the, on the K-12, we focus a lot on, on E-rate and, and all of those kind of things. Um, so we have a, a behind those people we have product marketing people for each of those verticals that also focus on all those bid processes and all that information out there to help develop um, you know effective sales methodologies but then we have people out on the street going and uh, working directly with the um, with the end customers now with that being said those end customers might sometimes work through a dealer and so if they're going to a dealer they're going to be dealing with one of our regional sales managers and so there's a lot of coordination that goes on between our our business development people who are working with the end customers and then um, and our RSMs who are working with uh, with the integrators to make that happen and it is cyclical um, here in the states of, of course uh, especially for K through 12 a tremendous amount of work is done over the summer of course when things are, are slower um, but we also see an uptick uh, in the uh, in the you know December time frame over the Christmas break when there's some refreshing done on the higher ed side but typically on the primary education, K through 12, we're seeing a lot of that work being done over the summer. And so that means procurement is happening in the April, May timeframe. And so it's important as these business development people are out there that we're forecasting properly because we'll see a spike in demand on those type of products in the, uh, in the April and May timeframe for summer installs. Let me ask you, because you, you guys, just like a lot of people, you, you'll hold back some of your really cool stuff for Infocom. How does that affect right. that? If, if people are, are, are you know, specking and, and designing systems in March and April, right. but, you know, anybody worth their salt who's been in the, in the industry for a while knows good and well that somewhere in the back of their head, you know, somewhere in the back of Sean's mind right now 
is a product or two that he's going to show us in, in Vegas right. that he can't say anything about to anybody. Um, right. But, you you know, maybe somebody calls up and says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking for this. And, and one of your business development, your market development people goes, I know exactly what can solve that. And I can't say anything. Exactly. And, and yeah, so what we'll do if we have anything specifically targeted uh, for education, the goal is to announce that at ISE okay. in February, because ISE again is our is our it's, it's it's equal in size to Infocom for us now because we do so much you know business internationally. Um, so we will make our education announcement at ISE. So we're shipping in May. Um, if we have any announcements being made in, at Infocom in June, we're going to miss the majority of that buying cycle because we you're right, Tim. We won't we won't ship it before we announce it. And we might catch a little bit of the tail end, but it, we weren't talking to people about that product, so it wasn't being, you know, specced or or uh, gone through the procurement process. We really miss the summer if we don't announce it at ISE. That's actually that's very interesting. The fact that ISE has kind of developed into that, you know, mm-hmm. from from a from a, 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 a calendar standpoint. So yeah, it works out pretty well for that for that buying cycle. Now, with that being said, Australia. Australia's um, uh, buying cycle is completely flipped, right? So for education, then over the winter time, what we call winter time, they call summertime. Yeah. That's their. So we can still hit the Australian, which again is a large market for us. Still hit their uh, education cycle um, if we announce at Infocom. But again, when you compare it to the rest of the world, um, it's smaller. But uh, so we can still catch that. But otherwise, we're targeting ISE for any type of education-focused announcements for the states. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. From our, uh, we, we mentioned a couple of uh, of contests. One is our friends over at uh, Commercial Integrator Magazine. Let me see if I can bring this up here. Uh, you can enter the Commercial Integrator Best Awards, uh, and this is not for for Sean. This is for people like like me. Uh, you can uh, uh, win uh, best categories for audio, video, control, automation, networking, and communications, uh, dealer install aids, building enhancements, and things of that nature. Uh, so if you want uh, more information on that, go to uh, go to commercialintegrator.com. Uh, but if you are going to Infocom uh, this year, uh, both uh, Rave Publications, ravepub.com, and uh, SCN Magazine will have uh, the best, the the uh, the the uh, Reader's Choice and the the best of Infocom awards. So uh, I don't know, Shauna, you guys, I, obviously you have you know, you have products that you can. Put up there, but I don't know if you know. Uh, Raves is, is pretty well open because it's anybody can can vote for anything, um, and SEN is is um, is similar uh, in, in that same way. So, is there anything that you guys would want to uh, say? Hey, vote for us. Well, uh, yeah. So uh, again, these would be some un- unannounced, for, especially for commercial integrator, not the integrator awards, but the manufacturer awards. Yeah. Again, um, we we love those. Um, we. Uh, did pretty well last year. We had we took home four of those bad boys from commercial oh, wow. integrator uh, last year. DVX, DGX, um, RPM, and uh, and Madero X. So that that was great. And uh, and I, let me just I'm not making a plug here, and I'm not yeah. trying to brown nose because the awards are coming up. But <laughs> commercial integrator, uh, commercial integrator is a great magazine. Um, what I really like about their magazine is they do a lot of surveys of the market and and the integrators. Fantastic feedback for manufacturers, right? When we want to get a pulse on uh, different markets and and what the integrators are doing in different markets, um, and to uh, help us, you know, add that in with the other discussions that we have with the customers. So, great magazine, great awards. Um, so yeah, we we do, and what we'll do is we'll enter in certain things that are are going to be uh, pre-announced. Um, and again, we try to do this in a in a secret type of fashion. Sometimes yeah. we're allowed to, sometimes we're not not. 
Um, but but things we announce at ISE uh, that that are just starting to ship, we can always go in and do that. Um, but yeah, we really we think it's great. We we take those we take all those awards. We we you know display them at, at the office. We bring them back to the engineers. Um, it's it's really morale boosting for the engineers who spent you know 80 hours a week for you know a year to get those products to market. Um, that they won an award, um, so it's fantastic. We really, we really think very highly of them. Yeah, I, I do too. And one of the neat ones uh, that Rave has done in the last couple of years is uh, best training, which, which is mm-hmm. which is interesting, you know, because it's it's not something that is that the engineers necessarily have anything to do with, unless they're also an, an instructor. But it really comes right. down to, um, at least what I found is is the training is where you really see the culture of of the of the organization, right? How you mm-hmm. treat those people coming in and, and spending their their week with you uh, really kind of shows what kind of culture you have. I've, I've not had the opportunity yet to go down to AMX, but I've been to a number of other ones, and and th- that award I've all, I'm always interested to see you know who who the finalists are. So exactly, it's not just about the product; it's about the people too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. All right, gentlemen, uh, that is it for uh, this week. Um, Bill Brown has been here. Bill is the CEO of BD Brown Communications. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Hopefully I'll come back. Oh, you'll no more come sexist back. remarks. You'll come back. <laughs> uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, bdbrown.com, um, um, at uh, bdbrown.com on Twitter. I have a Facebook page, um, and you can email me, email me at um, billb at bdbrown.com. Billb at bdbrown, all right. And, uh, and, uh, and last but not least, there's, we have two guests this week. Sean Robinson, Vice President of Product Development at AMX. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Tim. And where can people find you or more information about AMX? Uh, AMX, uh, social media-wise, AMX Talk is the only thing you have to remember there. AMX Talk, all one word. So that's our YouTube, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, everything. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Sean Robinson. That's with a U, so I spell it a little bit different than uh, most people do. Um, but, yeah, so come and visit us, AMX Talk or AMX.com. Right, very good. And I look forward to seeing both of you, actually, in uh, in, Orla- in Orlando. Good Lord, in Vegas. In uh, Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. So I always forget that every other year. So, uh, My name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me, but go to the website if you would, please. avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. The uh, the d- dynamic duo who does our AV social show, uh, Kelly Perkins and AV Dawn, just posted a, a brand new one this week. So check that out. Uh, we'll have a live a new live life coming down the pike, EdTech. Ed our education, actually, talking about education. Our education focus show, uh, we'll post a new one this week. So, yeah, go by the website. Oh, and, and our new app show. I almost forgot our new app show. Um, the one thing I'll say about our app show, it is the best hair on the podcast his, in the history of the yes, world. Yes, it is. Not today. But, no, uh, yeah. no, 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 the, the AV app show. Not not here, yeah. not us, no, not no, here. Of no, course no. not. <laughs> no, it's, it's hosted by Matt, my, by Matt Scott and uh, Phil Cordell, Hi-Fi. Uh, so, yeah, those two guys together have the best hair. Uh, in the history of podcasting. So check that out if you would, please. Uh, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week.